Live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Friday, April 1st. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Adam Sharon. We are brought to you by No House Advantage. We've got a 10-game Friday slate to break down before we roll into the weekend. But before we do any of that, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Adam, how did Thursday shake out for you? Uh, it went pretty well for me. Like large stake stuff was, you know, your normal didn't win anything. I think my best team finished like 80 something on DraftKings, but got second in the 2K, got third in the 1K. So uh, I picked up another ticket to the 3K Millie Maker next week. So had a pretty good night. Pretty bad night for DFS in general. Clint Capella had two FanDuel points per minute. The next highest guy was Joel Embiid at 1.68 on FanDuel, which is basically like a standard issue Joel Embiid day at this point. Nobody really like went true. Like DeRozan went for 66 total fantasy points. He played 43 minutes. Like on a per minute basis, nobody really went crazy, crazy. This is kind of like a bland day. Yeah. And then the thing that frustrated me the most was Karis LeVert because I said on the deeper dive last night that I thought he was kind of being – like, I thought he was a good play, obviously, but like, yeah. I thought he was being a little bit overvalued. And then once I made lineups, I realized just like how easy it was to get to him. And so I still ended up playing a ton and then he sucked. And like, to me, that's the most frustrating thing is when you play a popular guy and you're like, yeah, he's a good play, but I don't think he's that good. And then once you start building lineups, it's just like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to end up eating this. And then he sucks. It just like pisses me off so much. Anthony Marcus says, Adam with the Patrick Williams call. Did you have him play in 37 minutes? Just curious. No, no. I mean, and, and to be clear, and I'd said this on the show, like yeah, I, know. I wasn't saying I there was anything that like made me think Patrick Williams was going to have a good game. I just said that I thought 2% ownership on that slate was insanely low. Yeah, he didn't even have a good game. 37 minutes, 0.91 FanDuel points per minute. Like, I mean, for him, that's a good game. Um, sure. He was at 0.55 coming into the game. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I didn't have him starting the second half over Alex Caruso. I also didn't have him playing in overtime. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it was I, just, I'm with you though. He wasn't like at that ownership. That was just weird. Right. It was just like, okay, if, like I, I understood like why people were playing Kelly Olinick. I understood why people were playing Moses Brown, all those guys. Obviously, uh, Stanley Johnson was the one that I thought was a really questionable play uh, yeah. given the ownership. But even that, like I still had, you know, 25, 30% of him. My, my whole point with Patrick Williams was just like everyone is deciding Stanley Johnson is some phenomenal play. Like Patrick Williams is not that much worse. I certainly didn't see Chetty playing 27 minutes and getting 34 fantasy points. Yeah, neither did my 40% uh, Lamar Stevens or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. I mean, pick anybody else on the Cavs. I, I didn't think it was going to be Chetty, that's for sure. Well, that's about enough for yesterday as far as I'm concerned. We have 10 games to talk about. That's a lot. So I am ready to dive in if you are. Yep. We're starting here. Actually, before we start, I'm going to pull up the depth chart page so that uh, I don't have to do that in the middle of everything, even though. Technically speaking, I'm doing that in the middle of everything. The Toronto Raptors are 10-point favorites in Orlando, 218 and a half total. Everybody that's normally available for Toronto is, uh, for the most part, everybody that's normally available for Orlando is. We still have Jalen Suggs is just going to be done, it seems. Uh, but Wendell Carter Jr. is questionable and did miss the last game. Let's talk through Toronto, which to me seems pretty easy. If you're not one of the five main guys for Toronto, we're probably not playing you today. And even there, no one on Toronto projected for more than 10% ownership. I personally think that's wildly incorrect, at least on FanDuel, where Fred Van Vliet is still 7,300. But uh, talk to me about the Raptors. Yeah, I think, you know, you you were right. It's just 
assuming that all five of the starters play, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time we've gotten a random Toronto starter ruled out halfway through the day, but assuming they're all in, it just takes a lot of the value away or almost all the value away from like your Chris Boucher, Thaddeus Young, Precious Achua types. You can obviously always get to Fred Van Vliet. You can always get to Pascal Siakam. I think OG Ananobi is probably the most favorably priced guy to me on DraftKings at 6K. Still just a little bit underpriced, I think, for essentially his normal role. He's around a 0.9 fantasy point per minute guy. He's got shooting guard, small forward eligibility. But at the same time, this is a 10-game slate. We do know that there are teams that are just missing multiple guys. So this we're back to your normal March slash April slate, you know, as opposed to yesterday. Like if this were yesterday, OG Ananobi would be one of the highest on guys on the slate at 6K, I think. Um, but today it's more so just like, yeah, he's a good play. But uh, when you build lineups, I think it's just going to not really be something you end up prioritizing. Does Fred Van Vliet being 9% owned on FanDuel seem weird to you? Is that too, like, that just I mean, feels way too low to me. I would have to... The, the 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 thing that makes it tough with FanDuel, and I mean this is the case with DraftKings too, but like obviously I'm typically more familiar with DraftKings pricing, and also their pricing normally makes a bit more sense. The thing with FanDuel is that like I'll, like yes, I think 7300 is certainly too low on Fred VanVleet, but there's probably also like four other point guards that are a thousand dollars too cheap. It's true. I mean, there is a lot of value out there. I have Van, like, do I have Van Vliet probably a little too high? Maybe. I mean, the matchup against Orlando is great. It's you know a faster paced matchup for Toronto, but. Even if you consider him like a fantasy point per minute guy at 36 minutes, I mean, 7,300 is damn tasty to me. Yeah, and I will say, so like the first two guys that I always look at to try and get a gauge for uh, how soft FanDuel's pricing is are Tyrese Halliburton and DeJounte Murray. Uh, Murray is at 10.8, Halliburton's at 8,400. So like those are both still pretty favorable price tags, but Halliburton had been 7,600. We had been getting Murray at 10K not that long ago. So um, there is a little bit bigger gap between Van Vliet and those guys than I expected there to be. All right, here's, here's the easiest part for you. 7,300 is also the price tag for Davion Mitchell. That's actually Davion right. Mitchell is projected for 24% ownership. Okay, then yeah, just give me Van Vliet. <laughs> okay. And, and, Brandon, Brandon Williams, also 7,300, not getting ownership, but yeah. I'd rather to, flatten to, those To clarify, um, I think Van Vliet and Mitchell are extremely similar. Yeah. But if one's going to be three times as popular, then... I would be playing the lower on one a lot. Makes me feel better there. Alrighty. Yeah. Toronto's generally easy to talk about. Obviously, Orlando's a little bit different depending on the status of Wendell Carter. But if he is in, I think the real easy thing to do is not play anyone from Orlando at all. Uh, highest owned guy in this game is 2.1% owned Markel Fultz on DraftKings, where he's 4,200. I don't have anything to add here. Hang on, I have a question on Toronto. Do we have a reason why Precious Achua started the second half in place of Scotty Barnes? I don't. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if uh, that was like known or something. It, I thought um, Kim Birch only got garbage run, but he apparently played a first quarter run and then never played again, which was yeah, also so, confusing to me. Yeah. Um, the only reason I'd even, I even noticed it was because somebody said Achua has been playing good minutes, and Achua was playing good minutes when combinations of OG and uh, Trent were out, but with all those guys back, you're not getting that many minutes for Achua. Um, but I mean, I guess pay attention to the starting lineup. It doesn't, I don't even think it would make a huge difference. Like if you tell me Achua is starting and Scotty Barnes is coming off the bench, I still probably don't really want to play either one, but assuming Scotty Barnes is back in the starting lineup, um, I would be avoiding Achua. As far as the Feel, Orlando, feels like something happened to Barnes at the end of the second quarter. Yeah. That was kind of my guess. I didn't know if you had seen like an injury or something. No, I didn't. 
Um, but yeah, so that, that that was a weird one. I guess pay attention to the starting lineup, but I don't think it makes a huge difference there. Um, as far as the Orlando side goes, I'm with you. Um, prices have come up because they have been shorthanded for a while. Like Suggs being out increases the ceiling for Cole Anthony and, and Wagner and everything. But the thing you have to keep in mind too is that Orlando's not trying to win games. We've seen at least twice now where they are in somewhat competitive games in the fourth quarter and they just bench Cole Anthony because he's like, their only chance of coming back. Um, So that's, you know, a legitimate concern. We got 21 minutes from Arkel Fultz last game. Um, Absolutely massive game against Washington, but still 21 minutes. I mean, it's just really difficult on a 10 game slate to really want to get to him, you know, even at 4,200. All right. Moving forward. Dallas Mavericks, eight and a half point favorites in Washington against your Wizards. Revenge narrative alert coming in here on both sides of this one. Uh, Luckily, we don't really have to do much of anything on the Dallas side. It's basically play Luka Doncic and then likely ignore the rest of Dallas. Luka is 23% owned on FanDuel, 13% owned on DraftKings, where he's 12-1. Next highest owned guy anywhere is 3.5% owned Dorian Finney-Smith on FanDuel. I don't really have anything that says that those guys should be owned even more. So how do you feel about Luka? I mean, I feel really good about Luca. He's just been taking over games recently, playing really, really well. You do have Dinwiddie back, at least as far as we know. So that's, I think, a slight negative, but still nothing that I'm overly concerned about. Um, you know, obviously Dinwiddie's not going to take too much away from Luca. It's still a very good spot for him. So I like Luca quite a bit. Beyond that, if you get to a little bit of Jalen Brunson, I guess that's fine. Like I think Brunson's another guy, kind of like Ananobi, where I think he's a little bit underpriced at 6K on DraftKings. But I also think on this slate, he's just not going to be that useful. Um, and as far as you know, your revenge narrative goes, I do actually think that if you were going to buy into like guys that are pissed off at their former team, Spencer Dinwiddie fits the bill there. But uh, I yeah. just still kind of doubt that he gets enough opportunities here to be useful for DFS. Yeah, he's already 5,600 on FanDuel and 6,100 on DraftKings. Like, even if you I, want I, to say, I would like to give him a boost and like an extra minute or two, he's still not going to be one of like the 15 best plays of the day. Right. Like I firmly believe that Spencer Dinwiddie will enjoy the hell out of putting up a good game against Washington. I yeah. don't think that he's that his price is close enough to correct for that to come into play at all. Like I don't think Luke is going to just say, hey, Spencer, run this game. Like, you know, yeah. do it all. Um, you know, maybe he gets an extra minute or two. Maybe he chucks up a couple of extra shots, but uh, that's not the difference to me, at least in his price. So per Jeremiah Johnson in chat, uh, Barnes and Nurse and everybody were talking and they wanted Achua to start the second half on Towns. So, okay. So, so it was a matchup thing. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised Barnes wasn't like, all guard towns, but that's neither here nor there. I assume that both. Well, Scotty I think he Barnes was doing and, that. I would assume he was doing that in the first half, and it was not going well. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I would just expect Scotty Barnes to be like, "No, I'll guard him. We're similar." Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know who was guarding him in the first half, but I do think yeah. Towns was torturing them. Well, I'm sure he was. He's really good. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll say like I don't think Precious Achua is really the answer there either. But no, 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 not at all. All right, um, so we're in agreement. Nothing else here for Dallas. We go to your Wizards. And they might look just as shitty as the Orlando Magic today. Highest owned guy on either side is $4,500 Rui Hachimura on DraftKings. I mean, I think like Corey Kispert's okay because he's shooting guard small forward at 4K. But to me, there's not a single priority anywhere here. Porzingis is 9K. I mean, maybe he wants the same situation, but he doesn't strike me as the guy that's going to stick it to Dallas. So I'm ignoring your Wizards. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and I'm sure Porzingis would like to 
have a good game, but he's even said that this is this feels different to him than when he played New York for the first time. Um, and also, sure. I think that there was just like Dinwiddie. I think really feels like he has a chip on his shoulder how things went in Washington. Porzingis, I think, is kind of just like I I like the fit in Washington. I'm happy to be here, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'd like to have a good game. But also, one thing to keep in mind with Washington that um, does make them a little bit riskier. They were officially eliminated from the postseason yesterday. So I don't know that that changes anything. I don't necessarily think that it does, but just keep that in mind. Like if you start seeing the uh, Porzingis scratched type news, um, yeah. yeah, just just you know keep that keep that in the back of your mind that Washington officially has nothing to play for except for a loss. Now there it is. Um, but yeah, to, to your point, like but yeah, like Porzingis <laughs> has a really high ceiling, assuming he still plays. Rui is fine, but. Uh, yeah, nothing that really stands out because we have finally started to see pricing move up a little bit. But even more so than that, it's just that you have teams that like there have been a lot of slates recently where Washington has offered the value where it's like um, you, you can't really pinpoint which guy's going to do well. But there's like eight guys that are a little bit underpriced on this particular slate. Being a little bit underpriced isn't going to make you a priority. The regular old like baseline rates I have for these guys, they're just not good. 0. 0.75, 0. 0.65, 0. 0.83, 0. 0.81, 0. 0.81, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9. The only guy that's like actually good on a per minute basis is Porzingis. I guess we could count Gafford too, but he doesn't exactly play a ton. So it's just like a bunch of guys that aren't very good at DFS too. Doesn't um, help. Yeah. And I mean, as far as Gafford goes, he's another one where like at 3,600, if he gets to 18 minutes, he's probably going to do fine. But I just think you're going to find a lot of better plays on this slate. Yeah, it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if Daniel Gafford was the starting center today. Right. Yeah. Like if if uh, at which point he's very interesting at thirty six hundred. My my guess is that Porzingis gets the Dallas game and then they reevaluate if Porzingis is playing the rest of the year. Yeah, I have a hard time thinking he wants to sit here. All righty, schedule for the rest of the day coming up at noon, twelve p.m. Eastern time. The Fan Up NBA Show. We've got the NHL strategy show coming at 2 o'clock. Locks before lock at 4.15. NBA deeper dive at 4.45. And the NBA live before lock show at 6 p.m. We also have free content today. NBA player rankings are free. NHL player rankings free as well. Game number three. Woof. The Indiana Pacers are 15-point underdogs in Boston. 224 total. And just to make this one really easy to talk about, Indiana has a Q tag on O'Shea Brissett, Goga Batadze, Isaiah Jackson, and Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon wearing a Q tag like a scarlet letter on a day-to-day basis. No one's getting any ownership, but a lot of that has to do with Q tags. Let's start here because I don't think that anybody, any of those guys being in or out matters to Halliburton or Heald. Do you like either one of those guys just in general? I mean, I think Brogdon matters a little bit to Halliburton, but... Either way, at ninety, I think Brogdon's draft, just done. Done. What'd you say? I think Brogdon's done. So do I. I don't really know why they keep putting him on the injury report. And as far as Indiana in general, somebody a few minutes ago in chat was like, "Everything's going to change. Why? Why bother doing a show at ten a.m.?" For the most part, like, yeah, stuff's going to change, but you're still talking about a lot of, of relevant stuff. As far as Indiana, I mean, it's absolutely any any most things we say about Indiana are just at this point going to be pointless at ten a.m. every day because they keep listing half their team is questionable. Um, yeah. But I'm with you in assuming that – I just assume everybody else actually is questionable and that they're just lying about Brogdon. Um, I'd said it to Greg. Kind of when they pulled – they rested Brogdon for two straight games, and then they said Brogdon couldn't play for conditioning reasons. 
So once they went from our guy can't play because he's resting to our guy can't play because he rested too long, I kind of figured he was done for the year. Um, yeah. But beyond that, like, yeah, Halliburton looks okay on FanDuel. Uh, yeah. I have a hard time getting there at 9,400 on DraftKings. Healed at 6,900. Like, he's going to play a lot of minutes, but I still just don't think I end up getting to that price range all that much, especially in a difficult matchup against Boston. Okay. After that, we just kind of need to know the news. Like, if Isaiah, if everybody's back, they're not going to look good at all. Like, no. If you get Brissett, if you get Isaiah Jackson, these guys aren't going to look good. Like, it's a scratch off as far as I'm concerned. If you don't have Brissett and you don't have Isaiah Jackson, I don't know. Does anybody – is this like, the prices are up now. We're not just falling into uh, so-and-so's 3K type spot any longer. Right, exactly. Like, if those guys are out, I mean, Terry Taylor's 4,800. He played 35 minutes last game. But the thing is, he doesn't have to play 35 minutes either because no. Jalen Smith only played 21 in that game. I think on average, you see those balance out a little bit more. Um, so the it would be a situation where you still have a ceiling on somebody like Jalen Smith, on somebody like Terry Taylor, on Goga, but they're at price points where they're certainly not guaranteed to pay off those salaries like they were you know, a couple of weeks ago. All righty. We'll go to Boston then because uh, talking about Indiana sucks. For Boston, everybody's available except for Time Lord, which is a real huge bummer heading into the playoffs. Yes, it, it is. It sucks. And not even just from like a, I have a Boston Celtics ticket. Yeah, that's the only reason I care. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, I just think it sounds because I want teams to be as good as possible when they yeah, go yeah, to the playoffs. Um, Tatum getting some love on both sites 9,400 on FanDuel, 10 3 on DraftKings. Brown getting love 20% owned on both. Marcus Smart getting a little bit of love. He's 10% on both. What do you want to do here for Boston? Because I'm a little nervous about like trying to get to someone like Jason Tatum for 10 3 on DK against the Pacers. I mean, I'm a little nervous in the sense that like the game certainly could get out of hand quickly but also indiana is really 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 bad and they give up a lot of fantasy points in a hurry so um i mean i still like getting to tatum i really like getting to an 8k jalen brown Uh, i think that is pretty much a mispricing and he's shooting guard small forward eligible smart at 6100 looks okay horford at 6300 looks okay but i think tatum and brown are the guys that i want to get to the most um i think that the 2300 discount from tatum to brown uh, makes me prefer brown by a little bit Okay. Uh, yeah, I have them as basically equals. I don't have too much to say here. I just get nervous. There's so many payup options on the slate that like giving Tatum 36 minutes in this spot just feels incorrect. Yeah, but I mean, if the game were close, he probably plays like 38. Sure. Like I think Tate projecting Tatum for like 34 today is probably the most likely scenario if you sim out a thousand times that they play yeah, but the issue there is you have to have some sort of mechanism to increase his points per minute if you're going to do that. Probably, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think the Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith could beat the shit out of Indiana today. So. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, come from anywhere. Yeah, but I'm saying like if like if you if you sim this out a bunch of times and like it, you know, he he ends up averaging out 34 minutes. Not that it's going to happen every time, but in a lot of those, he averages 34 minutes because he just goes ape shit in three quarters. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just a scary spot for me today for Boston. Certainly going to like the guys that start. That's for sure. Uh, D Owens with the super chat can't stay long. 2v2 on FanDuel, which, well, man, is not the time for this kind of question because uh, you're not going to get an answer that you like. Joe Val and Sadiq Bay or Brandon Ingram and Damian Jones. It's Joe Val and Bay. 
also don't take anything that we say to heart here because it's 10 20 a.m yeah like so much stuff's gonna change even if it doesn't necessarily impact those guys it's gonna just impact a million other things yeah but joe val's playing a little bit more as of late sadiq bay is like 1400 dollars cheaper on Vandal than he is on draftings and joe val other... also hasn't joe val's not on memphis anymore ignore that no. i was gonna say joe val also has no teammates today but ingram's so playing 28 minutes a game at this point and damian jones can do whatever the hell he wants on the kings and no one's gonna give a shit <laughs> you play 10 minutes tonight and i would be shocked could be an Alex Len game. Speaking of the Sacramento Kings, they are two-point favorites in Houston. So just in case you're curious how much Houston sucks, uh, they're underdogs at home. Davion Mitchell, very much pulling some ownership on FanDuel at 7,300. Harrison Barnes, pulling some ownership on FanDuel at 5,300. Trey Lyles, pulling ownership on both sites, but 18% on FanDuel. And then we get... Uh, Damian Jones for 5,500 on draftings and double digits, 53 on FanDuel. Unfortunately, I think we got to get to a little bit of Sacramento here. Yeah, um, no real question about that. Uh, Mitchell's played four games now without Halliburton, Fox, or Sabonis. Um, he has averaged 40.7 minutes per game. And I, like, I don't necessarily think he keeps playing a full 40 minutes, but I do just feel really comfortable with his playing time because – he is someone that Sacramento should want to see more of, and he's also the next guy up. So it kind of just feels pretty safe in both regards. He is up to 8K, but still about a fantasy point per minute guy without them on the floor. Gets a favorable matchup against Houston. Um, I, I think, you know, getting close to correctly priced, you know, this is someone that, like, it, it, it's obviously not like when he was 5,500 or 6K a week ago, but um, still, I think, a pretty good play. Harrison Barnes at 6,100. Lyles, Jones, I think those guys all look fine as well. Mitchell is so bad offensively and just taking those guys off the floor still gets him to a fantasy point per minute, which is nuts. Yeah. He's atrocious offensively. It's so bad. 49% <clears throat> true shooting this season. Yeah. That's not great. No. Coming we in did... as a not young guy either. Yeah. He's 20. Well, he's 23. Like yeah, he's so not he 23, 24. He's got some like seasoning behind him. He's not like, he's more of a man than a 19 year old person coming into right, the league. Right. Yeah. He's not like a one and done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Lamb was in the rotation for the Kings yesterday or last game. He played yeah. 24 minutes. The big impact was Justin Holiday played 11 minutes. Uh, Matu only played 16. You still got 28 from DiVincenzo. So uh, they, they didn't really use – like Alex Led only played three minutes. So um, that's where some of those minutes came from as well. They just went smaller. Um, but – I think it's worth noting because Jeremy Lamb is $3,500. There's no guarantee he plays 24 minutes again, but if he does, he probably does well. Um, yeah. Similarly, Metu, you know, played 16 that game, but if he were to get to 22 or something, he could be good at 4K. So I think even taking dart, like throwing darts at some of these cheaper guys on Sacramento uh, makes some sense. I anxiously await Alex Lamb getting way more minutes one of these days than we expect. Yeah. It's coming. I just, I don't know when it's going to be. <laughs> All right. Uh, then we go to Houston. Well, did you see what they did with Len, with Len last game? He played like three minutes, right? Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, one of their beat reporters announced that he was that him and Lamb were out, like, in the middle of the afternoon. And then, like, 45 minutes before the game, they were like, oh, apparently the Kings file, misfiled a report. They are – Len is in and Jackson – or Lamb is, like, a game-time decision. And then Lamb plays 24 minutes. Cheyenne with the super chat. Trout, Notani, or Judge and Stanton? <laughs> I mean, Always I'll never one. pick. I'll never pick Yankees for anything, except for a DFS lineup. At which point, 
Uh, I want Stanton. It was, well, I I know, it was like three what, years ago, like Stanton was like 3% owned every single day. I assumed that's what this question was, was them saying they're ready for to ask 2v2s on MLB DFS. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll never um, pick the Yankees. And yeah, uh, Trout Otani. I, I'm, I'm so happy that they changed the rules. So even when Otani pitches, he can stay in the lineup now. Wait, like a, hold on. What got changed? So previously on the days that Otani pitched, when he came out as pitcher, he also came out of the lineup. Now he can stay in as the DH. Wait, couldn't, are you talking about from a DFS perspective? No, I'm talking about actual baseball. I'm happy that now on days Otani pitches, he's not coming out of the game after the, like he's, he's hitting for the entire game. I didn't even realize that he couldn't do that. Yeah, when he got taken out as a pitcher, they had to also hit for him. Interesting. I thought you could always stay in. I guess now he can. Just... Interesting. Good. I mean, that's better. That makes way more sense. Houston, no Eric Gordon, no Dennis Schroeder, who might not even be in the league next year, and then uh, no Christian Wood. So we still have a Q tag on Shin Goon. He's 5,700 on FanDuel, which looks good. He's 6,900 on DraftKings, which looks less good. How many minutes are Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. playing? That is the real question. Probably a lot. Um, so the Shangun the, the status is really important for a couple of reasons. For one, obviously, it matters for Shangun. If he plays, he looks great, I think, on either side, regardless of price. If he's out, not only does that open up the minutes for some combination of Garuba and Bruno Fernando, um, Garuba played 20, almost 26 minutes last game. Fernando played 22. Fernando obviously had the much better fantasy game, but that was also like an absolute floor game for Garuba, who, at least in a small sample, has not been a bad fantasy producer so far this year. Um, so it would obviously open stuff up there, but also for Kevin Porter and Jalen Green, because when you just take out Christian Wood and replace him with Shangun, you're not really getting a bump in terms of, of rates or production for Porter and Green because Shangun is also a, a high usage guy that you know can make plays and and all of that. Um, when you replace, if Shangun is out and you're replacing Christian Wood's usage with some combination of Garuba and Fernando, that's a nice bump for Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green as well. Do you have any lean on Shangun? No. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think so. I don't know what to do with this team. I'd like, can you imagine going to this game? <laughs> yeah, that would uh, probably not be very expensive. No. It's just gross. Yeah. Uh, 24 minutes from Josh Christopher last game, 24 minutes from Kenyon Martin Jr. Deshaun Nix was in the rotation for 18 minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of, if Shangun is out, I'm more willing to take shots on guys like KJ Martin or Garrison Matthews or Christopher or Tate. Um, it makes Green and Porter look a lot better. If Shangun is in, I think that Shangun is the priority here, and then everybody else is kind of just like a secondary option. Okay. <sighs> what else we got here? Brandon Furlow. The ERAs of NL pitchers are not going to skyrocket with no DH. That is not. What's going to happen? I mean, they're going Not to correct. go up. Sure. ERA of everybody in the NL last year was 4.21. The ERA of everybody in the AL last year was 4.33. 0.12 runs is not a skyrocket. It's a 2% increase. Yeah. So 
let's not act like they're all of a sudden the NL is just going to have five VRAs across the board. Of course, they go up. Phoenix Suns, seven and a half point favorites in Memphis, 229 total. We'll get to Memphis in a second. For Phoenix, we get Cam Johnson back. We get JaVale McGee back. Um, no one on Phoenix is north of 10% ownership. Highest owned guy is Chris Paul on FanDuel at 8,100. When I look at Phoenix, I think if Booker, Bridges, Paul, or Aiton are my last guy in, it won't even look weird to me. Otherwise, nothing here is a priority. That's how I see it as well. Um, like, you're not upset about playing any of those guys, especially Booker, Paul, and Aiton. Uh, they all produce it at high rates. They all have really high ceilings, but they also all are pretty much correctly priced here. Bridges obviously doesn't produce it near the same rate as those three, but he also plays a million minutes. So at 5,700, you could certainly see him as the last guy in, but uh, yeah, no, no priorities, but really with Booker, Paul, Aiton, I think just guys that um, can make some sense as lower owned, you know, contrarian pieces in tournaments right now on DraftKings, we have Aiton and Booker projected around 6% ownership, Paul at about 5%. So certainly guys where, you know, if you have, Popular players elsewhere in your lineup, you can throw in a Phoenix guy and still maintain a nice ceiling. Well, let's get to the real one. Let's go to Memphis. And let me get this correct as well. For Memphis, we have doubtful tags. Let's, well, John Morant is out. Killian Tilly is out. We have doubtful tags on Tyus Jones, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, and Steven Adams. I don't know about you, but I am assuming that all four of those guys are not playing today. Same. Okay. Starting lineup for Memphis. DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark. Um, or do you Addie. think Conchar starts? I'll say I need to like have it in front of you. So no Adams, no Bain, no Jackson, no Jones. So you're replacing everybody except for... Brooks, right? Yeah, Brooks. Has Brooks been yeah. starting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just drawing a blank on who the fifth guy was. Um, okay, so um Melton. Yes. Brooks. Uh Williams. Anderson Clark. That's what I that's my assumption. Okay. That's my yeah, that's that's my guess. Okay. Williams could be Conchar. Uh I mean, Melton, I guess, could be Culver. That would be kind of weird. But um, Clark could be Tillman. Right. I think Clark and Tillman contact. are splitting the minutes at the five. I agree with that, yeah. Okay. I kind of just set up this team to basically, like, split minutes across the board. Like, I gave Mel – I tried to be as pessimistic as possible. I gave Melton 28. I gave Conchar 20. I gave Brandon Clark 28. I gave Tillman 20. I gave Kyle Anderson 28. I gave – Santi Aldama, whoever the hell I had in it before, 20. Williams, 28. Like, I don't feel comfortable that anybody's just going to dive into a ton of minutes. This feels like an old-school Memphis game, but who is the best play for the Memphis Grizzlies today, assuming our rotation is correct? Um, I mean, Melton at 5,200 looks great. 4K Brandon Clark looks fantastic. He's the 3, best one, right, if Clark what? is starting. If he's starting, yeah, I think, especially because he has power forward eligibility. Um, okay. I mean, $3,100 Tillman looks good too. But, yeah, I think it's probably Clark 1, Melton 2, at least as far as value goes, Tillman 3. But, like, all of these guys look really good. I mean, $4,100 Kyle Anderson, that small forward power forward, is also really good. Yeah, and, I mean, he can handle the ball too. Right. 
I mean, I don't think 3K Culver is a bad spot to take a, a shot either. No. I mean, like, I, I think Zaire Williams is meaningless today for the most part. Like, I, I don't mind. Clearly, I don't mind getting to him because his role is increasing by default. But I think he's very clearly the worst of the starters. Yeah. I, normally head? in situations like this, um, I pay a lot of attention to points per minute because – I don't have a good feel for exactly how many minutes anybody's going to play. This is a situation we haven't seen this year, and it's kind of just the the volatility in in playing time for everybody is going to be huge. Um, But, like, Zaire Williams isn't a very good point-per-minute guy. John Conchar is a better point-per-minute guy. Culver is a better point-per-minute guy. Um, So I kind of think of it in terms of, like, I don't have a good feel for how many minutes any of these guys are going to play anyway. At least with, you know, Culver and Conchar, I kind of just need to – get lucky on their playing time. Whereas with Williams, you need to get lucky on the playing time and then you need him to actually play well. Do you think that Tillman and Clark are going to play alongside each other at all? I would lean no, just because Memphis still has bodies. They still have um, Aldama that they can use. Like they still have Williams and Conchar they can use. They're, they're not shorthanded in terms of players. Number so let's then let's talk about 41% ownership to Tillman because that seems insane if they are not going to play alongside each other. Yeah, that seems pretty high to me because, like, if you go like 28 minutes for Clark, 20 for Tillman, you're talking about like a 20 to 22 fantasy point projection on Tillman, which right. is fine, but um, that's not 40% yet. on a fucking 10 gamer, fine, right? Exactly, yeah, it just <laughs> ends up going a little bit over on, yeah. Not to say that he's not a good play because, like, if would you have any, I, I mean, I know I, I don't think that I would have a single issue playing Clark and Tillman together given their prices. Right. I, yeah. I don't think I would either. Um, I was kind of thinking about that as we, as we talked about it. Um, it partly depends on how much value opens up elsewhere, because obviously what it really comes down to is the cost of a lineup spot, but yeah, given their salaries, I don't think I mind. Like you can just very easily, they like have Tillman only, even if Tillman only plays 20 minutes, you can still get a game where he goes for like, you know, 24 to 26 DraftKings points. If they both boom, at a 5x plus 10 in the way that we have it on the website. That's 55 and a half fantasy points over the 48 minutes at center. That's 1.15 fantasy points for Clark yeah. and Tillman combined. And they can do way better than 1.15 in the aggregate. Yeah. And I mean, the issue is just that, like, you're still using a, a lineup spot there. But um, yeah. with how cheap they are, I think I'm okay with it. Okay. I mean, this is going to be the best spot, right? They ju- there's just too much free playing time going around and prices that don't match up. Max three or max four for you today, given the fact that it is a 10-game slate? Probably still max three. Um, okay. it, it's just really difficult for me to get above max three on a 10-game uh, slate, especially when, like, for example, OKC has eight active players. Yeah, we'll get there. I, I don't know. On DraftKings with the pricing the way that it is, I don't think it's crazy if you have like Brooks, Clark, Anderson, Tillman. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. And in cash, I certainly wouldn't set a cap. My oh, issue yeah, yeah. in tournaments cash is just is like, yeah, uh, I just wanted to clarify that for, for chat. But my, my issue is just like, yeah, I think all those guys are fine. But if I already have, if I already need Melton to put up to be like, you know, the best 5,200 play and Clark to be the best 4K play and Anderson to be the second best 4K play, yeah, I can play Brooks, but I think I would rather just play like, you know, somebody else, Roby or something. Yeah, no disagreements. I just those are the type of questions we're going to get a lot for Memphis on a day like today. So yeah, I don't. I think it's very close. I don't think that there's like a really strong answer. Um, I, I just typically 
on a 10 game slate have a really difficult time going north of, of three, especially for a team that still has bodies. If Memphis only had eight bodies, I'd feel a little bit differently, maybe just because yeah. like then you have to be getting 30, you know, mid thirties from some of these guys. But I think there's a real chance that you just kind of end up with like, you know, a 30 minute cap on everybody. Anything else you want to touch on here for Memphis? Um, yeah, I guess groups are probably important. Sure. And they'll be a little bit easier to figure out once we have some idea who's starting. Um, but we already talked about Clark and Tillman. I think that one is kind of borderline, but I think I'd be okay playing them together. I probably wouldn't want more than one of Culver, Conchar, Williams, unless two of them are starting somehow. Um yeah, and then you'll know, probably one of like Anderson Obama. No House Advantage is the presenting sponsor of this show. If you sign up using the promo code AWESOMO, you will get a $25 deposit on your first entry, or on your first deposit, rather. We have No House Advantage projections and optimal lineups already generated on AWESOMO.com that will help you take down big prizes. And this final week of the NBA season is the perfect time to be taking advantage at No House Advantage because the props don't change all day. We are at a time where we are going to get a ton of news on a day-to-day basis. You are going to be able to lock in close to lock-type props, and you'll have very, very little risk. For example, Memphis today. Can I filter this by... Games? Yes, I can. Great. If we filter to Memphis and Phoenix, which we just talked about, here are the guys from Memphis that are available. Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson, DeAnthony Melton. I don't need to point out to you guys that Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson are not likely to play. Kyle Anderson's points prop today is seven and a half points. It's 12 and a half points plus rebounds. If Kyle Anderson is starting, he will be one of your best props. That's not going to change. DeAnthony Melton, 10 and a half points is his prop for today. I have him projected for 16 points right now. And with as pessimistic of a minutes projection as I can give to a guy that I expect to start for today, those are just going to be your number 10 and number nine props. And we're going to get more of that throughout the day. And we will have this stuff already generated at awesomeo.com. So make sure you are signing up for No House Advantage using that promo code Osimo, getting your free money so you can beat your friends and not the house. Download the app in the app store or go to nohouseadvantage.com to play. LA Clippers, eight and a half point dogs in Milwaukee, 231 total. Both of these teams are in on a back-to-back. The total looks great. But the only thing that I can say here is this. If Reggie Jackson plays today, I like him no matter what because apparently he's just playing a shit ton of minutes again. As yeah, of right now, um, I can't talk about anything else for the Clippers. Yeah, like I have no idea who plays for this team today Yeah, because of it being a back-to-back, obviously. But I'm with you. Like 6,400 Reggie Jackson. He has only averaged 0.88 DraftKings points per minute um, in the games he's played with George this year. But George may or may not play. So so the, the thing that's really tricky with the Clippers, actually, is it seems – so apparently they talked about it on the TBS or TNT broadcast the other day. I wasn't watching the game, but uh, somebody had – said it to Lofi, somebody told it to me, that um, they clarified that the minutes restrictions were pre-Paul George, that with George back, they want to get, you know, their playoff rotation set and all of that. So that's why you're seeing more playing time for these guys. So if, let's just say, everybody's in and Paul George is resting, are the minutes limits back in place? Yeah, I don't know. That's 
Jackson's the only guy I want to take a shot on. Like, I'd be surprised if they rested Paul George. Would you? I mean, if they're trying to get ready, like, he needs game time. He had an elbow injury. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't lower body. Yeah, it was just, it was Tommy John, right? It was something, something with his UCL, I believe. Yeah. So, like, as long as his elbow's not a problem, I assume they just want him to get games after missing a couple months. I have no idea. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's fair. So if I think that if George is in, you can pretty confidently expect a lot of minutes for whatever other main pieces are in uh, the caveat being they could obviously just get run off the floor by Milwaukee. But um, assuming that this game is relatively competitive, if George is in, I feel pretty comfortable with the playing time for everybody that is playing. If George is out, I I'm a little bit less comfortable because then, you know, do they just run Reggie Jackson for 30 minutes and call it a day or, or what? I don't really know. Pay attention to this one throughout the day. Uh, the Clippers are a much better deeper dive live before lock team to talk about than they are right now. Cause this is, they're so deep and uh, I'm going to continue holding out hope that Kawhi Leonard comes back and they become just the most scary team in the NBA. Yeah. I'm so not with you on that one, but, uh, they would be very, very good. I mean, you should be with me on that one. Well, I mean, if we're playing, everybody comes back. I'll take uh, Kyrie, Durant, and Simmons over the Clippers. I don't know. I mean, I think Harris is more important in that discussion. I wouldn't say more, but I think he also is important. But I mean, like the Clippers are also missing Norman Powell. Right. I mean, for me, and I said it yesterday, and I know Lafay sort of brought it up to you to start the deeper dive yesterday. It's not even Simmons' injury. I don't know if he can play a playoff game. Right, right. And that's like a completely different discussion that like you can't land on. When he's healthy, if he's playing as the Ben Simmons that we know that he is when he's healthy and like doesn't mind dunking or shooting free throws, then yeah, to me it's Brooklyn and it's not close. Right, just huge question mark for sure. Yeah, like if, if it were just his back and you were like, oh, he's, he's healthy, I think Brooklyn runs the entire playoffs. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. But like when when the Clippers start running out, I mean they can run out a start like a, a five man lineup where basically everybody's the same guy: Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Covington, Batum, Marcus Morris. I mean you're just like switching one through five of all like six seven dudes with long arms. It's and you can swap out, bring in ball handling with Reggie Jackson, bring in shooting with Kennard, go big if you need to. I'm terrified of this team. By yeah, the way, I like- didn't say Norm Powell's name. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd said when they made those trades at the deadline that they were going to be a problem next year. Yeah, they, they're they going to be really scary because their only problem is money, and Ballmer does not give a shit about money. Right. Milwaukee Bucks, assuming everybody's in on the back-to-back, to me it's Giannis and basically nothing else. So if you like $7,500 Middleton on FanDuel, I can't fault you. How do you feel about Giannis? Uh good i mean 11-7 i think is a very fair price tag um obviously you do have the back-to-back after an overtime game so one keep an eye on status of milwaukee players uh they this is a situation where like yeah they're in the they're they're competing you know with boston miami and philadelphia for seating but this is the kind of situation where like i talked about where i don't think any of the teams at the top actively tank to avoid like the one seed or the two seed but i do think they prioritize being healthy going into the playoffs over maximizing their seed, given that maximizing your seed can very easily land you with Brooklyn in the first round. So um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you do see Milwaukee guys get ruled out, but assuming that they play, 
Giannis looks very good here at 11-7. Uh, he's the only guy I would really be interested in, I think. I think it's just too early for that sort of jockeying at the top of the East. Like, there's too many moving parts. And I, honestly, I don't think Milwaukee gives a shit if they play Brooklyn. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I think it's – I guess that's kind of my point is I think it's more – I wouldn't be surprised if the teams at the top don't care who they play, but they realize there's not, like, a massive advantage to being one in yeah. terms of matchup. So it's just like, okay, if the choice is win as many games as we can down the stretch or give Giannis a day off after he plays, uh, you know, 40 minutes against the Nets – just leaning towards giving him the day. But again, that also comes back to, especially when you talk about stars, it's going to probably come down to what does Giannis want to do also, which typically the answer is going to be play. The reason I don't think these higher ranking teams are going to care too much is because they're going to get a week off for all the play in games. True. And I don't think the extra day is going to matter now because they know they're guaranteed to just take a couple of days to refresh after the season is over. So the only team that I think really has any issue is I don't think Philly wants any part of Brooklyn. Otherwise, I don't think anybody really cares. Because um, I think Durant and Kyrie are way too up for that shit to smush right in Philly's face. Yeah, sure. I, I was just thinking about how much Philly probably does not respect Ben Simmons and would love that. But I mean, Philly as a whole and Embiid as a whole, yeah. But I don't know if Harden wants that smoke. Yeah. Embiid, Embiid's up for whatever. He doesn't give a shit who he's playing. He's going to chirp no matter what. Uh, Daily Sam, have two 10K-plus guys. Can you ever leave 1,500 salary? You should On a day like today, you should never leave 1,500 in salary. In NBA in general, um, I mean, there are obviously exceptions, and they typically will come in about a week. Um, you shouldn't. And the reason why, because somebody else followed up later and said, is it real, ever really about money left? Howard did well. He's cheap. Yeah, like cheap players are going to do well. But because pricing is in large part based on projection and like, you know, how well players are going to do, you're typically, if you leave a bunch of money on the table, especially on, you know, a slate, like a normal NBA slate, you're just giving up points for no real reason. On a 10-game slate, you can reappropriate those points better. If it's a three-gamer, you got a bunch of guys and stuff out, you can get to those points where you're creating a better lineup in your league. 1,500 on an NBA slate is probably wrong no matter what. Right. Yeah, the only time that I think it, it isn't is like, you know, last couple games of the season where like everybody above 8K is ruled out basically. Yep. Yeah. Um, And, and like in general, like I don't really like leaving money on the table anyway, but in sports like baseball or golf where – there's just a lot more variance and like, you know, Mike Trout at $5,500 is still going to score you zero points, a pretty high percentage of the time. Yeah. And somebody at $3,500 is going to be, beat Mike Trout on most slates, like somebody at 3,500, not the same person. Um, it's different. And, you know, if you're, if you end up leaving some money over to get the stack that you want or whatever, that's fine. In NBA though, because it's not event driven and it's just more projectable, you're not getting the you're you're never getting a game barring injury or whatever where like Luca scores zero points. Luca's not losing to a five k guy like ever, much less no. you know a high enough percentage of the time that you know you'd want to be just ignoring salary. Oh man, Let's yeah. See I, uh, David Porter said most he leaves is five hundred. Um, yeah, I typically set mine on DraftKings to just like not give me any lineups below forty nine five. And even then, I'm never. I'm usually not super comfortable. 
Alrighty. Um, salary is not irrelevant. Do not listen to this person. Who said salary is irrelevant? The same person that said that uh, it's not about salary because Dwight Howard did well. I mean, in the NBA, in the grand scheme of things, I think salary is irrelevant in that you're probably just creating a lineup that's 47-7 or 49-7 and higher. And like, there's no difference between 49-7 and 50K. But like, it's very, very, it's the most important. It's the most relevant thing. Right. And and to clarify, because I don't know, it seems like people might be getting confused. I'm not saying that like, just because somebody is 10,300, they project better than somebody that is 9,800. I'm saying that within the entire lineup, you're going to be able to find a position where that $500, well, maybe not $500, but that $1,500 certainly makes a difference and you can upgrade. Yeah. All right, let's keep this moving. We go to Detroit. If you want to know how bad the Thunder suck, the Detroit Pistons are four-point favorites in OKC, uh, 220 total. Tricky spot here for Detroit. They are on a back-to-back. Marvin Bagley got hurt in yesterday's game. I'm assuming he's out. I do not know the status on Corey Joseph, who was up in the air for yesterday. This is a back-to-back. Don't know the status on Frank Jackson either. I'm going with the assumption that Bagley is just not playing. Yeah, I think I like Kate Cunningham and I like Sadiq Bey. Uh, And then we need to talk about what we're doing with Kelly Olynyk and if he's the guy, because I think it's very likely that he's not. Yeah, so do I. He got to 21 minutes yesterday. That was a lot for him. Um, but it was still all just behind Isaiah Stewart. So I think that – well, I think it's twofold. One, I think that 3,700 Olenek is certainly still a uh, decent value. Like if he plays uh, 18 to 20 minutes behind Isaiah Stewart, he projects well. But I think it's a mistake to assume that he's playing a bunch of minutes at the four because they haven't been using him at the four. They still have key that they're giving minutes to. They have Isaiah Livers back. Um, you can throw Magruder out there to soak up some wing minutes. Sadiq Bay can play the four. Even assuming Bagley is out, there is no shortage of guys that can play the four. And we have seen Detroit very clearly use Kelly Olynyk as the backup center only. Yeah. I If Kelly Olynyk isn't in the starting lineup and he is 50% owned, I think that's a bad play that could kill you. Yeah, and I think Livers is the starter. You could tell me that it's Braxton Key, and I believe yeah, I wouldn't that be surprised too. Either. Um, Who is Braxton Key, by the way? I had not no idea. I don't have a clue. No clue. Major key alert. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, but you know, he's thirty three hundred. Isaiah Livers is three K. If either one of them are starting, they are more interesting to me than Kelly Olynyk. Braxton Key went to Virginia. He is six eight two thirty. Undrafted. Um, oh, he went to Alabama for two years and then Virginia for two years. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got. He's just another wing, basically. Yeah. Uh, if Kelly Olenek starting, obviously you are jamming him clear across the board everywhere. He Power forward center, 3,700 and a one-plus fantasy point per minute guy. If he's not starting, I'm terrified of the Pistons. Yeah, I, so like, and that's the thing. The ownership just plays a huge role because if Olenek is not starting, he still looks good. Like, he's a good value at 3,700. If you give him, like, 18 minutes, he projects for, I don't know, 21, 22 DraftKings points, and that's fine. But if he's getting, what what did you say we have him at, 40-something percent? 51. Yeah, if he's getting 51%, I can just find other values and hope that they beat Olenek and put me in a really good spot in most lineups. So I think it's safe to say if he's not starting, I'll end up under the field. I'm not giving him, if he's not starting, I'm not giving him power forward minutes. I don't think you should. 
I don't think there's a reason to. And if I did, it would be like, they two. don't seem to care to do that. <laughs> right. Like, that's the thing. It's just, you have to pay attention to coaching tendencies. And Detroit has had every opportunity to give Kelly Olynyk more minutes. And for the most part, they have not. So if he's not starting, I have a really hard time thinking, especially if like, it also changes a little bit if Detroit rules out like multiple other guys and they just end up being shorthanded and they need Olynyk to play some minutes yeah. at the four. But assuming for now that Joseph is in, Key is in, Livers is in, Jackson is in, Magruder is in, I see no reason Kelly Olynyk is playing minutes at the four. Look, they, he and Stewart split the minutes at the five yesterday. The 21 minutes that Kelly Olynyk played yesterday were the most minutes that he played in all of March. Every game was less than that. I do think, I want to say it's possible the last time he played minutes at the four was the last time that he was like random chalk because people decided that was going to happen and then they just like willed it into existence. But uh, yeah, there's just nothing really in their rotation that suggests that they want Kel Hulenic to play the four. I'm looking now to see how many minutes he's even played alongside Stewart this year. I think he was playing a decent amount earlier in the year if I remember correctly, but that could be I don't even remember. I continue to love Sadiq Bay at 5,600 on FanDuel. I, to me, that price is just crazy. He's getting the ownership. Buyer beware on Olenek. Is there anything else here for the Pistons, though? Olenek has played a total of 33 minutes alongside Isaiah Stewart this season. It is very, very hard for me to believe that today is the day that he's going to add, like, 10 to that. Right. Um, as far as the rest of the team, I agree with you. Sadiq Bay's salary on FanDuel looks really good. On DraftKings at 7,200, it's fine. It's obviously a good matchup. He can play a lot of minutes. Um, the, the thing that I, I do like about him without Grant, it's not that he becomes like a great point-per-minute guy. He's just shy of a, fan, of a DraftKings point-per-minute. But you do just have one less mouth to feed. Like, Cade Cunningham obviously is the number one offensive option. But then it's kind of just like if Sadiq Bay gets hot, Sadiq Bay can just take over. He doesn't, yeah. you know, he doesn't really have anybody else he needs to compete with for touches. So I think it does just kind of increase the chances of him getting to his ceiling, even if it doesn't do a whole lot for his uh, median, you know, point per minute projection. Isaiah Stewart at 5,200 looks okay. You know, I assume he plays 28 to 30 minutes if he can avoid foul trouble. Hayes is decent. Um, if Liver starts, I am interested in him at 3K. I like Hayes a lot more if Joseph ends up out. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. And then we get to Oklahoma City, who have only eight guys available for today. I think everybody's playable except for Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I just don't know if he can play enough to matter on a he day was on like a 15 today. minute limit last game. Yeah, I gave him 18 Played for today, 16. just assuming it climbs a little bit. Uh, at which point, then, who's the best play from OKC? Isaiah Roby at 6,500. Probably, yeah. I, like Sawyer looks like a good value at 3,700, but he is also only center eligible. So that hurts a little bit. He has been playing a lot alongside Roby. Last game, you got um, 34 minutes from Roby. You got 26 from Sar. But so I, mean, I assume you're just like casting a pretty big net here. Yeah, because like I said, I think Roby and Sar are the top plays, but I still think Pogashevsky's good. I think Teo Maladon's fine. That salary did jump another $1,100. Aaron Wiggins at 5K is not what I would consider appealing, but he is still likely to play low to mid thirties and he averages, you know, three quarters of a fantasy point per minute or, or somewhere in that range. Krejci should play a lot. He's another one that, you know, averages like 0.7 fantasy points per minute, but is likely to give you a bunch of minutes. Same goes for Lindy waters. So the guys I feel best about in terms of just, you know, what you're going to get uh, that, that they're going to go out there and produce at least are Roby, Pokachevsky, Maladon and Sar. 
but then you're just still getting minutes for Wiggins, Krejci, Waters to where I, th- I think they're still playable. Um, Group-wise, I would probably say I'm with you as far as just kind of ignoring Robinson Earl. I don't think that I would really want more than one of Wiggins, Krejci, or Waters in a lineup just because all three of them sort of occupy the same role, but also all three of them are just like shitty point-per-minute guys, and it just seems hard. It seems difficult for both of them to – or two of them to have a big game. Um if you wanted to make that a max two, I guess it's fine, but I think I would probably just go max one. Um, but as far as Roby, Pokashevsky, Maladon, Sar, I'm fine with whatever. Probably capping I, this team at three as well. I think you have to. I, I mean, with these prices, like Roby 6,500, Maladon 6,800, Poku 7K, like I think capping them is a little bit easier than capping Memphis. All right, let's keep it moving now. I know that we're not going to have a ton to talk about at the closing point, but we are going to run a little long. Portland, 15 and a half point dogs at San Antonio. By the way, everybody, San Antonio is the 10 seed in the West. That's how bad Portland is. That They're 15 point dogs to the 10th best team in the West. Highest owned guy is Keon Johnson at 10% on FanDuel. Nobody else is really north of 5%. So are we getting to Portland? Um, I mean, it's a, it should be a high scoring game, but I think it's going to be high scoring more so on one side than the other. I'm not really that interested in the the pricing on Portland. Like they've gotten really expensive. So it's not that like Eubanks can't do well at 7,800 or Williams can't do well at 6,900. It's just that there's a lot of spots that I like a little bit more. Um, Greg Brown started the last game. I have absolutely no idea if he starts this game that's kind of been a rotating spot it was chris dunn then it was uh, elijah hughes then it was greg brown um so i don't really have any idea brown played 27 minutes last game if he starts he looks okay at 4200 but i don't know not much standing out here when you have memphis and when you have okc yeah uh, the prices are already up enough and these guys are bad so reggie perry's the backup center now He's a small forward on DraftKings, which is always fun to see. And then we go to San Antonio. DeJounte Murray is 10,800 on FanDuel, 11-4 on DraftKings. To me, very clearly the best option from the Spurs. But they tightened their rotation up a little bit this last time out, and I was a little surprised to see it. Uh, They kind of did the same thing in the game before that, but 30-plus minutes to Murray, Johnson, Pirtle, Vassell, and Josh Richardson. Does the change in rotation change anything for you for San Antonio? And then how do you feel about Murray? I find it pretty interesting just because you had Lonnie Walker back. He still played 13 minutes. You know, Primo only played 15. Um, But the Spurs are right now tied with the Lakers for the 10 seed. So, I mean, it makes sense for them to be tightening their rotation, assuming that they prioritize making it to the playing game. So, yeah, I mean, Murray, I agree, clearly looks like the best option. Really, really good matchup. Really, really good player, all of that. Um, Jakob Pertl's in a really good spot at 6,800. I think he's one of my favorite mid-range centers. Um, because Portland, not only is it just a small front court, you know, a bad front court, a lot of rebound, you know, a lot of defensive rebounding opportunities from a team that cannot shoot. But they're also turning the ball over a lot. They're getting blocked a lot. Like, you're just, it's kind of like what an NBA player would do against a random team from the YMCA whenever people play against Portland. So it makes Pirtle look better. Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, I think both still look decent. Richardson at 4,600, I think is kind of a tough sell on this slate, but um, you know, like you said, he did play 30 minutes last game. God, it's nuts. 
Yeah, I'm happy to get to Vassell. I'm happy to get to Pirtle. But 10-8 for Murray on FanDuel is the spot that I'm looking at most. He's And he's just playing great. Crazy. I haven't right. looked. But anecdotally, it seems like Portland's just giving up a shit ton of um, defensive stats to centers or to bigs recently. I think they're giving up a shit ton of stats to literally everybody. Well, everybody, yeah. I, I, it's just one of those things that, like, I, I think it's just that I've been in situations recently where, like, teams are chasing me with a center facing Portland. And it's just like, I, I see like their points and rebounds and I'm like, oh, they're doing well, but not that well. And then I see that they have like 12 points off of stocks also, like every time. God, Chad is incredible. Uh, Portland has the second worst defense in the league over the past two weeks, 126 defensive rating. That's only one point better than the Lakers, which are dead last. So we'll talk about them in a second. Minnesota Timberwolves, three and a half point dogs in Denver, 236 total. Uh, this one to me is pretty easy. Everybody's in for Minnesota. Edwards, 20% owned on Fandle, 11 on DK. Towns, 20% owned on Fandle, 10% on DK. Russell, 20% owned on Fandle, 10% on DK. I like those three guys quite a bit, although Towns for 9,600 on DK probably priced correctly. These are more minute, or these are more FanDuel plays to me than DK plays, but those are the three guys I want, and I probably don't want much else from the Wolves. So I was still looking at Portland stuff. Actually, over the last month, Portland's in the bottom ten in blocks allowed to opposing centers. So um, not something that matters for DFS. I was just kind of curious based on what it had seemed like, but uh, yes, I just happened to look at the right times. As far as Minnesota goes, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you. Just I think there's a little bit of value across the board. Like Towns at 9,600 is cheaper than he probably should be. Same goes for Edwards, Russell, Beverly, Noel at 3,400. Um, but I don't think that they're true priorities on this slate just because mainly Oklahoma City and Memphis – and the Houston, potentially Houston exist, um, but still getting to a good amount of, you know, Towns, Edwards, Russell, Beverly collectively, I think makes a lot of sense. Do you have a preference between the three? Whoever fits in my lineup. I think they all look pretty similar relative to salary. Okay. And so I would add Beverly that. into that as well. I generally prefer Edwards. Are you reading into the Beverly minutes lately? I, I didn't look at the scores or anything. I just know that for his past three games, they have been down. So I know uh, two games ago, he like didn't play in the fourth. Last game was a blowout, but he also hadn't subbed back in in the fourth. But I don't know if he would have come in by then yet anyway. Um, Jalen Noel just played a lot of minutes in, in both games. I wouldn't play Noel and Beverly in the same lineup. Okay. I wouldn't play Vanderbilt and Prince in the same lineup either. If you're playing Prince. Are you playing anyone on Denver that isn't Jokic? By the way, Will Not Barton with... and Aaron Gordon starting to play a little bit more. Yeah, they're playing a little bit more. They're playing better. Um, I wouldn't say with any sort of, of regularity. Like, there's still just a lot of plays that are going to be either cheaper or more expensive that I'm really going to like on this slate. We did once again get Bones Highland closing alongside Monte Morris last game. That's been a development recently where um, Jeff Green's minutes have turned into Bones Highland closing. Not, not that Green was um, closing anyway, but Highland typically wasn't playing a lot of minutes alongside Morris. Now he is it makes it so there's a better path to success and kind of weirdly Highland salary is also dropping now, but I still think it's very difficult to really build around anything outside of Jokic here. We have two separate people in chat talking about how Ben McLemore has been playing. Well, I can't even imagine coming to that stance. He might be the worst regular in the NBA. 
And he's not even a regular. He's, he's I mean, playing 24 minutes a game for the shittiest team in basketball. I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, like if you tell me Ben McLemore exceeds $4,400, I'll believe you. But like landing on him as like some sort of difference making play is pretty random. It's, it's asinine on a day like today. He's probably the 80th best fantasy play. I'm looking at his progression of his like aggregate plus minus. It's below negative three. Zero's average <laughs> for, for reference sake. He could not be worse. Could not be worse. He basically He's turned 27 and then became as shitty as you can possibly be. But he's been shooting good. It's the only skill he has. It's the only skill. If he's not shooting well, he's not. He's playing in Croatia. By the way, 36% from three for a guy that has the only skill set of shooting threes. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting I mean, over, yeah he, he shot three for 10 last game from three. Okay, the only game that he's done anything, he 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 shot eight for eighteen from three against OKC in thirty-two yeah. minutes. Right, it's insane, insane. Yeah, it's just to to me talking about Ben McLemore at all is insane. Like I, I'm not saying like if he's in a lineup or something, you should take him out at forty-four hundred, but like it's just a totally random, bizarre play. You should be you shouldn't be on your radar. Otherwise, you have ninety dots on your radar. <laughs> Let's close it out now. To me, the worst game on the slate, the New Orleans Pelicans, two-point dogs I in did hear LA. Josh say Chris Boucher and Cash is a lock, so. Yikes. Are you willing to play anybody from the Pelicans today with any sort of volume? Because I think they don't look very good. I mean, they're facing the Lakers, so the answer is always yes. But Should be, right? <laughs> yeah, but but the salaries are a little bit prohibitive now that you have Ingram back. Obviously you have McCollum and Joval as well. Um, they're still, I think kind of priced for Ingram to be out. Ingram played 28 minutes in the last game. Don't know if that goes up here or not. He is kind of cheap at 7,600, but I just still have a hard time with McCollum and Joval being, you know, in the lineup as well, prioritizing him, even though the matchup's good. McCollum at 8,600, I think is fine. I think Joval is probably the guy that I would get to first. Um, he played 35 minutes again last game. We saw no Hernan Gomez in the rotation. Larry Nance was essentially the backup. Larry Nance was slash... Hayes at the beginning and then Nance yeah. late. Well, yeah, I mean, like Nance was in there too. So it's I assume Nance was the four and Hayes was the five technically. But yeah. um, Hayes slash Nance were the, the backup fives. Um, but that's a couple of games now we've seen uh, Joval play a little bit more. 8,100, like he certainly can have a lot of success here against the Lakers. But... Yeah, it's kind of still, I think, more like a luxury than anything getting to, you know, McCollum or Joe Val or Ingram. Yeah, I don't, I, those are the only three possibilities for me, too McCollum, Joe Val, Ingram. There's nothing else here. And then we get a team that we can't even really talk. So I don't find the Pelicans to be all that interesting. And I don't think that's going to be possible to talk about the Lakers. If everybody's in, it's pretty easy. You just don't play any of them. I don't think LeBron looks particularly good on a bum wheel at 11K on FanDuel, given everybody else that you could pay up for, or 10-9 on DraftKings. Assuming they have in. Yeah. You're, I mean, even still, like, I prefer a couple of the other pay-up options over LeBron, but that's neither. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take 10-9 LeBron if Davis is out, for sure. Between his health, I, I'm not saying that, like, I wouldn't take LeBron, but, like, I'm going to prefer Murray and Doncic sure. and, yeah, yeah. like, Giannis. Like, they're, I'm just going to like other guys more than him, too. 
you're not playing Russ at 8,100 or 8,800 if one of those guys are back. I don't know how you play anybody else on the Lakers. The only thing you can do, depending on what news comes in, Anthony Davis is 7,600 on FanDuel. I don't think he's worth a shit for today. But if anybody's going to provide any value, that's the salary where it could happen. You can't play AD at 8,900 on DK today, in my opinion. So to me, the Lakers are a cross-off. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at too, assuming guys are in. You know, obviously, if for whatever reason LeBron and Davis sit, it's different. But based on what they've said and what we've heard, um, there's no real, real reason to think that's going to be the case. So, yeah, like I, I think 10-9 LeBron is okay. But I, like you said, like I would rather just be getting to DeJounte Murray. And I don't think it's going to be that difficult to find the salary to get up to a Giannis or a Luka or whoever, given the, the amount of value on the slate. Let's say that AD is out, LeBron is in. Would you rather have Jokic or LeBron? AD's out, LeBron is in, Jokic or LeBron. Um, I mean, depends what I'm giving up, but sure. Jokic. I think Jokic looks better in a vacuum. Luka or LeBron? Same answer. Giannis? Same answer. DeJounte, fuck. DeJounte. To me, DeJounte is the only one you can really compare because they're like $500 apart, and my answer is DeJounte. Okay. And the only other guy is Tatum at 10-3. And I think the answer is Tatum. But it's close. So. To me, Davis at 8,900 is kind of interesting just because. So you really like him on FanDuel then. What is he? 7,600 with power forward. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, like, when I say really like him, I mean, you can see the path where that's great. He could also just play 20 minutes today and be meaningless. Yeah, it's just that this game matters for the Lakers. Like, they need to win. Yeah, they do. So They're out right now. Right. So, like, I have a hard time thinking that they're putting any sort of, like, let's be cautious with Anthony Davis limit on him. I think it's probably like, hey, if if this is hurting, like, come out. But... Yeah. Um, otherwise, go play as much as you can. And he's at a price tag where even if you assume he's not going to be 100%, um, you, you are getting a pretty nice discount there in a pretty good matchup. 1.27 DraftKings points per minute in the games he's played with LeBron this year. If he, I mean, if he gets mid-30s, he's or even low-30s, he's certainly playable on FanDuel and I think decent on DraftKings. The issue on DraftKings is he's only a center as well. Right. That He just, he becomes really difficult to want to get to at 8,900 given the chances of him playing north of 30 minutes feel incredibly low. Anything else, man? 10 games up, 10 games down. Took a little bit longer, but we just have a lot of things we need to hash through. And, um, well, that's everything. Yeah. Deeper dive for you later today? Yeah. uh, Injury report with Greg or Eric. I don't know which one. Sometime this afternoon. um, Tournament plays videos after that. And then deeper dive with somebody. With Lafayette. With Lafayette. Thank you guys for joining us. Hit that like button if you haven't done it already. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Up over 75,000 now, so it feels pretty good. Shout out to No House Advantage for being the sponsor here. Make sure you're paying attention to news at Awesomeo. NBA is going to be vital for you on a day like tonight. Good luck. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you later.